Welcome to Pickleball Therapy, the podcast dedicated to your pickleball improvement. We are back in the studio this week to record episode number 35. I thought today we'd talk a little bit about something that's probably causing a lot of errors in your game, even though you don't realize it. It's causing missed volleys, it's causing pop-ups, and also causing you to miss putaways that are going along. We're going to talk about this error in the biggest part of our segment, in the first segment of our podcast. In the riff, I'm going to talk a little bit about what it means to win. Uh, as you may know, we came back from the U.S. Open last week, so we got to compete with a lot of our friends and people we know and things like that. And I got to talk to a lot of players or speak with a lot of players about winning, getting hardware, medals, and things like that. And I want to talk about what it means to win. So stay tuned for the podcast. Before we get into the error that you can fix in your game that's really going to help your game, I want to tease something for you. CJ Johnson, my partner in VI Pickleball, and I are hosting a Pickleball Summit the last week of June. Make sure you uh, look out for it. It's going to be amazing. We have an awesome, awesome group of presenters with a lot of expertise and knowledge about pickleball and about being an athlete and really improving your game and improving just yourself as an athlete. So keep an eye out for that. Last week in June, we're going to be putting out some materials on our Pickleball Summit. Hope to see you there. All right, let's talk a little bit about the number one error in pickleball that you probably don't realize is part of your game, but it is definitely affecting your game and not in the way you want it to. What I'm talking about here is the backswing. So the backswing is the part of your swing that occurs between the point of contact and that means where you hit the ball, so where you actually make contact with the ball and how far back you take the paddle before you make contact with the ball. So you have three components in the swing. So you have your backswing, which is point of contact backwards. You have the point of contact, which is where you actually make contact with the ball. And then you have your follow through. So point of contact, very important. You know, that's where you want to keep your eye on the zone of contact. You can say, keep your eye on the ball. That's fine. Basically keep your eye on the ball as you're hitting it. That's really important. And then your follow through is very important. You know, where the paddle travels after you hit the ball. If the paddle travels in a along an arc or along a a path which is where the ball you intend the ball to go then more likely than not the ball will go there if your paddle follows a path that is different than where you want your ball to go then more often than not the ball will follow that path and will go somewhere other than your intended target but what i want to focus on today is the backswing which is the first part of the swing so the part from the point of contact backwards that part of the swing in pickleball is for the most part unnecessary uh, for most shots in pickleball, you actually don't need any. If you, you may use a little bit, is fine, but you don't you certainly don't need the amount of backswing that you're probably using when you make uh, when you when you hit a ball when you execute a stroke. So what happens is when you pull the paddle back uh, from the point of contact backwards, what's happening is you are basically losing contact between the paddle or where the paddle needs to be and where you're starting your swing. If you start your swing shorter, and I'll explain this a little more in detail in a second, but if you start your swing shorter or closer up to where the ball is or the point of contact's gonna be, then you're gonna minimize some of the risks that can happen from pulling the paddle back. When you look at the plus sides of pulling the paddle back, there's really only one, which is more power, more juice, if you will, more oomph or energy into the ball from pulling the paddle away or back. A lot of, most of the times you're not gonna need that extra power, you may need some in your serve and return to serve. You know, so there you may have a little bit of a pulling the paddle away from uh, from where you're going to make contact with it. But once you're up at the non-volley zone or you're working through the non- through the transition zone, you're up at the non-volley zone, you're dinking, 
you're volleying, things like that, you're going to want to really have less backswing. So the better way of hitting the ball or having a general stroke is to have very, very little backswing. And then you can mod, you can, you can modify from that when you need it. So there's a ton of wind in your face. Uh, you know, you, you're having to stand three feet behind the baseline to return serve and your serves are returning short. I'm sorry, your returns are, are, are short. So what you're going to do then is maybe you, you pull the paddle back a little more so you can get a little more power into it. You're going to twist into a little more of your body to transfer weight into it. But your standard shot, your basic shot should have very, very little, if any, backswing to it. So let's talk about what happens when you add backswing to it. What are the potential negatives? That's the positive. The positive is more power. The negatives are several. One, if you're dinking and you are using a lot of backswing, or any backswing actually, you increase the chance of pop-up. I don't have an exact ratio for you, ratio for you, but I can tell you that the farther back that you're pulling your paddle before you dink, the higher the chance that you're gonna you're gonna hit a pop-up. And the reason for that is for the same reason as the the benefit of the backswing, which is more power. When you're dinking, more power can result in a deeper, higher ball than you want, which results, which is the pop-up, right? So it's a, a pop-up is a higher, deeper ball than you intended. A lot of times, I would say the vast majority of time, the pop-up is the result of a player using backswing on their shot, bringing too much energy into the ball, resulting in the ball traveling higher and deeper than they wanted to. Again, the pop-up. Another type of error that you'll see with backswings is you'll see miss hits with, with big backswings. What happens is when you pull the paddle back from the point of contact, and again, point of contact is where the paddle will meet ball. When you pull the paddle back from the point of contact, the farther back you pull it, the higher the chance that you're A, going to bring it forward at the wrong time. B, you're going to bring it forward at the wrong, uh, or, or along the wrong, pl wrong plane, right? So think of like, you know, you have your paddle away from your body and you can do this while you're listening to the podcast. Take a paddle pull it really far back and then imagine you're going to hit a, a, a place in space where the ball is going to be in the future. So now you have to bring the paddle forward to hit that spot. What are the odds that you're going to be there at the same time as the ball got there in the perfect spot or that you're going to be there maybe a little too high, a little too low, a little too left, a little too right, right? Because you're swinging through space. So, you know, you, you increase the chances of a miss hit. That's where you're going to either clip the ball or, or hit it, you know, on your handle or something like that. You also increase the chances of hitting it in the wrong place, meaning you're going to hit it either too late. If you hit it too late, it's going to travel in the same direction. The ball's going to travel too far in the same direction of your arm that your well, what side your, your paddle's on. So let's say you're right-handed and you're hitting a forehand. So the paddle's on your right side. If you hit the ball late, the ball's going to travel more to the right than it should, sometimes going too far and going wide, right? Going out wide. Uh, if you hit it too early as a right-hander again with a forehand, then you're going to basically hit the ball too too early. means it'll go too far to your left. Sometimes go wide to your left. Uh, you can do the math on, or not the math, but you can figure out backhands and forehands for righties and lefties this way. But basically, if you hit the ball too early or too late, the ball is going to travel somewhere other than where you want it to go. How do you fix that? You reduce your backswing. And reducing the backswing makes, makes it less likely that you're going to be late or early arriving at the point of contact because the paddle will be closer or at the point of contact. Another common error occurs in volleys. Same thing in terms of being late and early. You can have that in volleys, uh, particularly maybe hitting like into the net and things like that can happen. But the biggest one that happens when you take a big backswing on a volley and particularly on a put away is that your ball ends up going two or three feet out long, right? Or, or too far. And the reason for that is because your paddle remains open too long. And if you think of a paddle angle, closed paddle angle would be basically where the paddle is 
closed to the to the net. So basically like 90 degrees or, or, or further over to the net. An open paddle is is greater than 90. So basically it's open to the net, meaning that the paddle is 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 uh, leaning back compared to the net. So if you hit the ball, say the ball comes up and you're going to smash it and you're a little bit late on your swing, what will happen is when you make contact with the ball, uh, the paddle will be too far open. Sometimes the ball obviously have traveled a little farther back, so it'll be behind you more. So the paddle is more open. By the paddle being more open, the ball travels up farther, you know, up more than you want it to. When you hit the ball up more than you want it to at a higher angle, what happens is the ball then continues to sail, ends up going out. Again, with the as with the other ones, what's the best fix for that? Reduce your backswing. The closer your paddle is to the point of contact on your volleys, including on your putaways, then the less chance of that happening. Now, you will sacrifice some power because you will not be able to hit the ball quite as hard if you don't have a big backswing. But pickleball is generally a sport of precision and placement over power. So to the extent that you can, if you have to trade off a little bit of power in exchange for not hitting the balls out and having more control over your shots, that's a trade worth making. If you need a little bit more power, you can bring the paddle back a little bit, right? But don't bring it back, you know, if two inches or four inches of backswing will work, don't use two feet of backswing because every every extra inch or so of, of backswing that you pull it back just increases the chances that you're going to commit an error when you hit the volley. Much better to hit a softer put away than hit the put away four feet out. So if you can, what you want to do is try and work on your backswing. One of the best things you can do for that are mirror drills where you basically or ghost drills where you basically just swing your paddle over and over again with no backswing. That'll train your your muscles, it'll give you your muscle memory. So that next time you play, it'll it'll be really effective. We have one of our members in VI Pickleball, uh, Larry, uh, did the indoor drills for two days, just two days. And then on the third day, he went out and played. And he said he couldn't believe how much uh, shorter his stroke had become and how much more, how much more compact and confident he was with the strokes because of his stroke mechanics. So if you want to check that out, uh, you can uh, check it out at wearepickleball.com. Uh, come in there and uh, see what's going on at VI Pickleball. If you really want ready to improve, it's just a really good resource for you. So anyway, so that's what I want to talk about on the backswing. Uh, and the riff, we're going to talk a little bit about the U.S. Open and meddling and achieving and winning. So stay tuned for the riff. Before we get into the riff, I wanted to share with you that I am finishing up on the last touches on the definitive guide to stacking. This book is going to give you everything you need to know about stacking going to have some really good graphs in there, illustrations of how to stack. It's basically, you know, from soup to nuts, so to speak, everything you need to know about stacking from how to do it to the most intricate detail of when and, and why you want to do it. So check out that book on stacking. I'll be sending out some materials on that in the not too distant future. If you want to really up your game, you got to know how to stack. If you listen to our last podcast, then you know that Jill and I were down at the U.S. Open last week. I gave you guys a brief update on what was going on down there and sort of, you know, how everything was going. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, got to see a bunch of really good play, got to play some decent play, and uh, it, overall a really nice experience. But what struck me at the U.S. Open was not so much, I mean, the, obviously the play was great, everything was good. What struck me, though, was the, the, the way that players are so hard on themselves when they don't meddle. And so what I wanted to talk about a little bit in this riff was kind of meddling and achievement and success and what it all means. Listen, I've won medals. I'm happy when I win a medal. I mean, it's nice to win a medal. I think our, our brains feel rewarded. Everything feels good when you get a medal. And, and certainly I would not begrudge anybody winning medals and feeling good for winning a medal. That's fantastic. I guess what I want to talk about is what happens when you don't win a medal? I mean, is that, does that, is that the definition of success, right? Is that either I medal or I failed? 
And if you look at it statistically or just numerically or mathematically, it, it just, it's something that if you go into a tournament saying, you know, like metal or bust, uh, it's just usually going to be bust because that's just statistically how a tournament will work. So I just ran some quick numbers. So say that you had uh, and some of these draws at the U.S. Open were were larger than this, but this is a pretty big draw. So say you're in a 42 player or 42 team draw. So you're playing against 41 other teams. You're the 42nd team playing. And let's assume that you are playing at your level because if you're going to play tournaments, I suggest that you should be playing at your level. At your level means you know, you're going to win some, but you're going to lose some as well. Uh, unless you're playing, you know, if you're playing the highest level and winning all the time, like Ben Johns or Simone or somebody like that, that's fine. There's nowhere else for you to go. But if there's a level above yours, if you're winning all the time and there's a level above yours, you should be playing in the level above yours, accepting the fact that you're going to win some and lose some. That's just, you know, uh, that's good for you, good for the sport. But, you know, so let's assume you're playing at level, right? So you're playing in the correct mix where you can win some and lose some. And you're playing in a 42-team draw. In a 42-team draw, if everybody has the same chance of winning, your chance of not just winning, your chance of meddling, so your chance of being in one of the top three teams is only 7%. So you have a 7% chance of finishing in the top three out of 42 teams. But the, the, the flip side of that is that you have a 93% chance of not meddling if you play in the tournament. So the question is, if you sign up for this type of tournament, so a 42-team tournament, should you should your expectation be again metal or bust and i'm going to suggest to you that the answer to that is no uh, i think it should be pretty obvious from the math that if you're entering a tournament where you know you have a 93 percent chance of not meddling and that's going to be your failure rate your failure metric right then you're pretty much setting yourself up for failure and the example i was talking to jill about it and the example i gave her was you know let's say like you know i told you there's a, a restaurant that's fantastic right about 50% of the time, you're going to go to the restaurant and get the best meal you ever had. And the other 50% of the time, you're going to go in there and you're going to get basically like a, like a plate of maggots and just it's inedible. You just can't eat it. It's, it's, it's gross, right? Would you go to that restaurant? And I think the answer is no, right? Why would you go to that restaurant? So I get, you know, if, you're, if your metric is metal or I failed or I feel upset or I, I'm, I'm not happy with myself, then you're setting yourself up for that 93% of the time if you're playing at level. The only way to get around that is to not play at level, which again, as I said earlier, I don't recommend. And I, I you know, but well, that's for another day. But you know, just just think of the metric, right? Think of your you know, how you're defining your success. Uh, I would I would suggest to you that perhaps uh, you know I'm leaning again on Coach Peter Scales and the compete, learn, honor uh, concept that he articulates in his book, Mental and Emotional Training. Now, basically, think about it in terms of you know, going out there, you know, competing, right? Leaving it all out on the court, learning something, hopefully, when you're out there about yourself and about your opponents and about the game. And at the end of the day, honoring it, right? Honoring the game, honoring yourself, honoring your partner, honoring, honoring your opponents. And I think if you frame it in that way, then you'll find you'll have much better time than just seven, the 7% of the time that you're meddling. Uh, even if you're a great meddler, say you're meddling 25 or 30% of the time or 40% of the time, you're still, you know, not meddling 60, 70% of the time. So, you know, if you're playing a level again, and so, you know, setting meddling up as your standard for success, I would suggest is not a metric that is going to be conducive to enjoyment of the game and to your health as a player. And as a person, I can tell you from personal experience, I have vastly changed my uh, my views on, or my personal sort of uh, uh, expectations when I play. It's not to say I don't compete. If you look at my 
my my record out there, my my results. You know, I have 18, 16 matches that that we've you know we scratched and clawed. 16, 14s where we've come back from being down. Uh, you know, I've had games where I've been down 10-0 and come back and won. Uh, you know, so it's not a question of competing. It's not a question of saying, well, you know, I, I don't, I don't belong out here, or I don't, I, whatever it is. You know, it's not, it's not a negative connotation when I'm out there competing. I'm out there competing, fighting as hard as I can. But the question is, like at the U.S. Open, when I walk off the court in my last event, my last match, and having lost that match 15-12, am I, am I leaving the court upset and down about everything, or am I leaving the court saying, you know what, Sarah and I left everything on the court. Uh, we competed. We fought Dave and Kim. Uh, you know, we 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 clawed. We scratched. We did everything we could. But at the end of the day, Dave and Kim are are you know are are worthy opponents. You know, as as they're very good players, are worthy opponents. They fought hard as well as we did. Uh, they did a few things better than we did at the end of the day, and they and they got the victory 15-12. I think that's a better way of framing it and of honoring Dave and Kim for their victory as opposed to, you know, focusing on on Sarah and, and my, uh, you know, I don't know, failure or whatever you want to call it. If that's how you want to frame it. You know, so looking at it as a, as a positive, looking at it as a something constructive and something that we enjoyed uh, having competed at the highest level at the U.S. Open. So that's uh, the riff for this week. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. It went a little longer than, than normal. Uh, you know, we always try and give you, you know, share with you my thoughts about pickleball and about just, you know, personal life and things like that. That's why it's called Pickleball Therapy. So hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it, please give it a rating and a review. If you listen to it on iTunes or anything that has a review on it, it, it helps us uh, reach more more listeners. And if you enjoyed it, uh, share it with your friends. If you liked it, they probably will too. Stay well out there.